1: plushcare.com slash weight loss Hey, palm smells best In the evening it's not Worth believing what you heard Soil and cream freely just a trick Get out of Director of Better Off Dead, Savage Steve Holland, once said about his own film, this is the most autobiographical movie ever made that's just exaggerated. Apparently, his girlfriend really did break up with him, and he actually attempted suicide. Going so far as to hang himself while standing on a plastic garbage can, and then it caved in. And the pipe that he was going to hang himself on broke, and it started to pour water into his garage, and he was basically drowning in the garbage can that he fell in. Then his mom came in and yelled at him for breaking the pipe. He chalks it up to youth and extrapolates it to an absurd level in the film, but he also says that he's very happy that the pipe broke. And so am I, because we're here today talking about the film. But other elements of the film are apparently from real life as well, like his mother's recipes and giving him TV dinners for Christmas and birthdays, and also the relentless paper boy, whom I tried to get for this interview and was that close, but it just didn't happen, maybe in the future. One day I'll do a whole episode about the people that I was that close to getting, in fact, one of whom actually showed up to the studio and canceled. From such a good film, too. I wish I could tell you more. Maybe one day, when it's safe, I'll tell you the stories when they're all dead. Well, that's not the way I plan to start this show. Let's get to it. Today, we're going to talk a little Bill, a little Ted, a lot of Better Off Dead, and some of the other films of Diane Franklin. She played the French foreign exchange student Monique in Better Off Dead, she was in The Last American Virgin. Amityville Horror 2, and was one of the princesses in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. In some ways, you could call her the princess of 80s movies. And that very designation of role that she popularized in the 80s was the springboard for what turned out to be a wonderful, nuanced discussion about acting and feminism. You don't immediately apply feministic elements to films for younger people in the 80s, but the way Diane describes her experience and her goals makes you feel pretty good about it. And also something she calls a babes of the 80s party, which surprisingly, again, isn't what it sounds like. Her role in Better Off Dead is by far the only competent person in the entire film. And I love the fact that this film came out in 1985, the same year as Alison Bechdel's comic strip gave us the Bechdel test for feminism in movies. Diane also tells us a little bit about the controversy surrounding John Cusack and the first time he saw Better Off Dead and being upset about it and then having to work with the director once again on One Crazy Summer, which she also herself has a connection to. Oh my God, it's all packed into this interview. That's all there is to it. Let's connect last episode's guest to this episode's guest. And it goes a little something like this. Stephen Tobolowsky to Harold Ramis in Groundhog Day. Harold Ramis to Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters. Dan Aykroyd to John Cusack in Gross Point Blank. John Cusack to Diane Franklin in Better Off Dead. Join me after the interview for an absolute waste of your time <laughs> for a new segment. Or maybe don't. This one. Uh... The film Better Off Dead. The year 1985. The role, Monique Junet. Not Junot, Junet. The actor, Diane Franklin. Diane Franklin, your character, Monique Junot,
0: right? Jeunet. See, I told you. Monique Jeunet. Yes. Monique <laughs> Jeunet
1: completely restores a 1967 Camaro in the space of a day. You're yes. an ace baseball pitcher, mm-hmm. an expert skier. You're fluent in at least two languages, and you make some very angular 80s fashions look pretty good. <laughs> Was your character in Better Off Dead some kind of uh, angel or Mr. Miyagi figure? How do you pull all of that off?
0: I uh, have, First, I have to say... Um, this was a dream role for me in the 80s because uh, the early 80s was more of a, a kind of a gritty uh, sort of a, a period in filmmaking and when we got to the mid 80s it was much more I'd have to say like charming but it was also I know I know this is kind of hard to fathom but it is strange the 80s was a time for women to kind of become more, um, it was like a, a feministic time. I mean, I I have to tell you, I mean, I know this is bizarre, but all these movies that were coming up, it was like trying – women were originally not given leads in films and um, they weren't given very strong characters. So by the time the mid-'80s came, I think it was just – it was time for a strong female character uh, that was not – um, a, just a sex object, okay?
1: <laughs> right, I, I feel like it was a transitionary oh. period. I just had Jeanette Goldstein on, who plays Vasquez in Aliens, and she's one of the most badass characters there is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did notice that your role in Better Off Dead is you're the badass in this movie.
0: I'm capable. Yeah. I can fix a car, and yeah. I can throw a baseball. Where and no I can, one else is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but without being, um, which was really fun, I— was not a tomboy. I'm not a tomboy. And to me, that's what made it so uh, I thought unique because and maybe perhaps because I was French, um I got away with being a little bit more feminine, uh-huh. um whereas m- if maybe I was an American character, I would have had to been the tomboy, right? Um so, I really I, – what I really loved about that role was the ability to be feminine but also to be able to do what guys do. And, you know, why shouldn't a woman be able to do that? And nowadays, you know, generations that come, they might not even think about that. Like they might not even realize, oh, there was a time where it was looked uh, – frowned upon for a woman to be wearing baggy pants and to be having like – you know, to be fixing a car, whatever. you know, Or like she would be thought of as somebody who – oh, my gosh, you would never have a woman fix your car. What are you talking about? Um, but I think what's so amazing uh, about it is my experience growing, uh, working in the 80s and being in the 80s was parallel in a way with with Monique in that, you know, I I did all these roles, but I had to be a very strong woman and strong young woman to to carry these roles. So when I played Monique, it was like, oh, my gosh, finally I'm getting t- to play somebody that I – it, that is most like my personality, uh-huh. you know, my like my at, my attitude, my sense of humor. And um, that just was shocking, you know, for all of us when we got the script. I mean, the whole script is so funny, but it didn't rely on – You know, uh, gratuitous nudity or serious violence or um, – I mean it's just funny. It really (laughs) is and I
1: found when I was re-watching it that I expected a certain amount of that because I I identify so much of that with those 80s movies and then I'm watching it going, it doesn't. It doesn't have any of that. It's just telling a funny story. And
0: and what's what's lovely about it was – it was really – this. I mean it's 1985. It was just right in the middle and that was what led uh, the ability, to, for instance, for Bill and Ted's to come out uh-huh. because Bill and Ted's was 1989 and that reflected um, – like sort of that kind of made fun or you know poked fun or was a parody of let's say like um, the early 80s, which was sort of a, a Sean Penn's character in Fast Time at Ridgemont High. Right. So that would never have occurred had we not been in like smack in the middle of the 80s where we had – women characters taking leads. I mean, look at Molly Ringwald being leads in a film and, um, you know, Ali Sheedy and Elizabeth Shue. And and we have all these actresses that are incredibly talented. I mean, to me, I have to tell you, these actresses that I grew up with in the 80s were so talented. Heather Langenkamp and Amanda Wiss. But the roles were not there for such a long time. And I am a very big, Uh, person to, I like to celebrate these actresses and their careers. Uh Um, and, uh, I have some fun ideas that I'm actually going to do maybe this summer about having maybe a a babes of the eighties party (laughs) and invite all these girls that I know, these actresses Mm -hmm. and just have a big party to celebrate each, you know, the career and to look back and say, you know what, you are all talented, you know, really talented, but, um, you know, some people had, you know, they got into horror. Some people got into comedy. Some people got into drama. And you had no way of knowing. I mean, that was the director's vision. But everybody worked really, really hard at that time to be an actress. It was not a given, you know. I mean, it wasn't like today where, you know, you could get on YouTube anytime you want, you know, for free. What I mean, if you've got a camera and you've got a computer, you know, you could just instantly have some kind of recognition whether you're a male or female. Um, but... At, during that time, that wasn't the given, and roles were just not there.
1: I completely understand what you're saying. I'm so glad to have you here for that oh. reason, to sort of be the spokesperson <sighs> for that. It's so nice to hear about that.
0: I and- love – I mean, I, I love – a lot of the roles I did. But Monique Genet, I think, is uh, so fantastic <laughs> because, first of all, I love accents and uh, um, I had just completed a film before Better Off Dead where I played someone French. And when I showed up for the audition, my hair was long and they cooked like this. And originally, I was being seen for the part of Beth. Um, mm. So, but I really wanted to play Monique because I knew... I could play this character. I mean, hey, I yeah, felt it's it. it's
1: the better role for sure. Uh,
0: but you just, I just felt it. I knew like it was, when you get a script, you connect with a role and sometimes you get scripts and you're like, I have no idea how to play this. This is not me. This is not going to, but you do your best to, to kind of play it. I mean, as an example, if you put me next to Jodie Foster to play somebody tough, well, I'd play tough for me, but you're not going to hire me to play <laughs> what Jodie Foster can play. <laughs> so w- in this sense, I've really felt connected with Monique and, um, uh, so what they did is they said, "Okay, we're going to have you play the role," um, which I was I was crossing my fingers the night before. I'm like, "Oh my, please, please," but then they said, "Okay, we wanted you to cut your hair," and my hair was really long at the time. Uh-huh. So to me, I was like, "Oh, anything? I mean, sure, do it." But that's how I got that kind of a tomboyish kind of look, and I was I was thrilled and I loved it. I had never had my hair that short until that time. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's until I was since I was little, um, but. It was – I guess for me as an actress at that time, that was a part of the exp- – expressing the uh, feministic aspect of, of of filmmaking, you know, right smack in the middle of the 80s. Uh, Molly Ringwald had shorter hair. I mean we all mm-hmm. had kind of uh, – Ali Sheedy. It, it kind of sort of went – I can play ball with the boys, you know? Um, But at the same time, not be a boy, you know? So I love it. I just loved it.
1: So speaking of the French accent, you said that you did it for a prior film. Did you have to learn it for that film or did you always find yourself kind of just a natural? You had an ear? Did you use... Technique? What was it?
0: Well, uh, so what happened is when I was very little, uh, very, I uh, probably like ten years old. My parents went to Quebec, and uh, so I remember. So you're a cheater. I am such a cheater. <laughs> I am not. I am not really French. No. Um, well, it's so funny because when I went to Quebec, we went on vacation, and I remember hearing the accents, uh, the French influence in the accent, and I that's when I started, I think, doing accents like or dialects. I learned the love of it. Yeah. And my parents actually were German and Austrian, and they talked with a German accent, so they would talk like this. But I never heard it because I was too close. You know, when I like, it's like, you know, I'm in Long Island, I should talk like this, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know. <laughs> so if you're living around there, you just don't hear it because uh-huh. everybody's talking like this. So um, I wound up, uh, I just never forgot That And I guess because I was raised with accents, I was always comfortable. It
1: had to be, right? Because I find people that are um, proficient. Music and accents have it at such a young age that it's a natural thing they never had to process. People can get good at it technically, but those that have it at a young age, it was just always with them. And it seems like.
0: Yeah, you're raised with it so you feel comfortable um, and you don't – get too critical or judge it. You go with the flow. Uh So it wasn't a cognitive. It wasn't like, oh, if I do accents, I'm going to get work. It was just a love of it. Yeah. And – or dialects, dialects. So anyway, what wound up happening was I I needed to do a series of accents for several different projects. And I always worked with the dialect coach because in acting, you want it to be as realistic as possible. You want it to – because you're portraying the um, whatever – uh, you know, the country or the, uh, the people that live in the country uh, and you want to do it as accurate as possible. So that's like my, my sort of background and training. But I have to tell you, this is not something that's necessarily, I would have to say, I found that acting has changed a little bit and that the detail of learning acting in a way that is so fine-tuned and we we study every word and we pay attention to every detail of our characters is not as, I, I'm not going to say required, but it is not part of the acting process as it used to be. Um, and I think that's because entertainment has exploded and things are going so fast and actors don't have the time to train as, as much as they used to. And they need to take the time Before they hit, before they are successful, to fill the cup, to learn. Um, And then when it hits and when they start working, they have a lot to work from. So to me, I mean, I know every time I got a role, I would, you know break out and suddenly, you know, study accents or I might have to, you know, learn how to swim or I'd have yeah. to learn horseback but riding. But it's a new trick yeah. to
1: add to your arsenal, right? Yes, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I went to grad school to study acting and we did three years of voice and then there was a whole section of not just dialects but learning the international phonetic alphabet and then we
0: would have the to... The international language. They, very <laughs> same. Oh, very nice. Um, and uh, I
1: remember having to do a report on a dialect that wasn't covered typically by the IPA so I chose, nice. based on 80s movies, I chose The Valley Girl dialect and, and oh did a whole God. dissertation on the symbols for the valley girl dialect. Yes, and the symbols, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And like, the, and the, like every, yeah. like, the I gl- at
1: the gl- end. stop. Gl- like a Scottish yeah. rot. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I just, I eat that stuff up, you know. And so, oh but God. when I saw you first, when I saw this movie for the first time and then even watching it again for this, I just assumed you were French until oh. I did my research. It really is ultra convincing.
0: I am so happy that you said that because, um, I, I, it's not that I'm uh, beyond like re- reproach. Is it like, sure. I, it's not that I'm, I, I can't make a mistake, but into my ear, it sounded correct. Yeah. And I've actually I'm deaf on one ear. So it's, it's just my ear You're one kidding. ear and that's all <laughs> it's it. That's about it. But, um, what I But I remember getting a review when somebody said, oh, is this is like her French is not believable. And I thought, you know, that's very interesting because obviously it's like saying someone's English isn't believable. Right. It's like you come from different places. Yeah, in a, it's in, a regionalism. It's a regionalism. But also the other part of accents is, you know, I could make something sound extreme incredibly real realistic but you have to be able to understand me and there's a difference between the very heavy French accent and the, the, the very heavy German accent you wouldn't necessarily be able to understand it so as an actor you take that accent and you have to then um you have to everything is to the main idea of the script the whatever script or play you are doing has to
1: You serve the story. Serve,
0: serve it. Serve the story. Let me tell you how much I understand what you're saying. Serve the story, because that even goes to
1: podcasting. Because sometimes your critics are simply wanting to say what they know, not what you should be doing, and they might not be taking the big picture into account.
0: No, exactly. And, And you have to favor. You have to like service the material in the center of it. And the most important thing about Better Off Dead that is a comedy, and so we're not talking about. I'm, re- I'm playing the role of someone who's died in the French, wo- you know, who's who's been a nurse in a, in a French war and I have to portray someone who is actually alive and that the audience is going to say um, that is your, you know, that person was not accurately portrayed. Um because if you are portraying someone exactly like that the audience is co- looking at you going well that's i guess what it's like to to be that person that's that person you know if that person has alzheimer's in a movie you want to believe that that's that character you know because you're kind of setting the standard of what that would be like to have that problem right. so um anyway but you know i think audiences are getting so much more sophisticated they can ride the wave. We have so much entertainment and there's so much uh, different kinds of entertainment that you can watch. You're you're watching and your viewing is so boutique to your interest. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, you like comedies, but it's just not going to be necessarily regular comedy. You're going to like... Uh, farcical comedies or parody comedies or you're going to like over-the-top comedies. You're going to like very subtle, dry comedies. So our audiences can go where they want to, but they are not forced. They're not force-fed the comedy that they don't enjoy. And I think that's wonderful.
1: I do, too. You get to shop at your own comedy store. Yes,
0: you get to watch and see the people that you enjoy, and then you just sort of follow – them, you know, whatever journey they take. So um, I don't know, that's, that's my feeling about it. And I just feel so fortunate to have also, that movie Better Off Dead was my jump to comedy. Actually, it really was because before that, it was more drama. And I even did a soap opera, and I did um, horror, and I did like real sexy, dramatic roles. So and and i and i could play that but my personal taste mm-hmm. was always humor so so
1: let's uh, talk about how you ended up in this film what was your audition mm-hmm. process like anything Aww. interesting there
0: i okay well first of all Savage Steve Holland, <laughs> so adorable, so cute. Is and there any
1: clues to where the savage comes from? Is that just um, a personal choice of his or?
0: You know, I think he said that it happened when he was a kid. Uh-huh. Somebody called him savage and then it just stuck. Fair enough. Um, it's hard because I always kind of know him as Steve, but then savage came like he always likes to be talked to as savage. So it's like, okay, awesome. <laughs> I'm into it. Okay. Uh, he's wonderful. And what was Okay, so what was great about the audition process was, first of all, sometimes you go on an audition, you meet the casting director, and then you go to a, a callback, and then you meet the director, and then you do a screen test. and I mean, at least that's what it was in the 80s. Today, probably no one has time, so they just go look at your headshot and go, okay, he's cast. You know, yeah. she's cast. Except that headshot um, is online yep, we're, now. We're yeah. in, right. We're done. Yeah. Um, and uh, so when I was cast in it, I, I guess I had done enough work as an actress to just go in and meet him right off the bat. I think it was him and the producer. And Steve, first of all, he's so adorable. And I, at that time, you don't meet – you. you well, everyone who was producing and directing was a lot older. And Steve, I think, was like 24 or 25. He was really young. But it was – that was what made it so much fun. Like, here I am, I think, gosh, was I think it was 23, and I – was like, oh, this is fun. Like, how is that even possible that you could just kind of hang out with somebody and, you know, (laughs) joke around? So when I went in, he wanted me to read for the part of Beth. So I did Beth's lines. and, um, And that was fine. And then... I said, well, what about Monique? And so then I took like this. I talked like this for the interview. I started just to talk like this. Like I said, so I can play this French girl Monique. She is very nice and uh, sh- I can throw a ball, maybe not so well as she can, but I can. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I talked like this. And he and the producer started laughing and they thought it was really funny. And then he said, OK, let's try to do. Monique, with a lisp. So so I took like this, but I left a lisp. So it was, uh, um, let's say I said um, this. How you say, mm-hmm. dark head is an unleashed sixth fiend. Um, the, Ricky, he will not leave me alone. He thinks because I stay here, I made love God prostrate. No, prostitute. Which you know. Was okay. he just trying
1: to trick you up or was he trying to, <laughs> no, or right? trip you up or trying to somehow make Monique a little bit more in Lane's class? Like, were you too beautiful and he needed to give you a bit of an impediment? Or what what was the thought behind that? So
0: here's what happened. And so I'm sitting there trying my best to do this, but what happened was um, he wanted he just wanted this character to be so cute. Uh And... (laughs) He thought, OK, a lisp, which is awesome. That's a great directing note to make uh-huh. somebody a little bit We give him a little bit of a lisp. But you couldn't understand me. I mean, it was out of control. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> so One layer too deep. Right. So exactly. So um, but he just I eventually just liked the French accent. And what I did was when we did the movie, I also interjected some real French in it. Because whenever you are from another country, you are always going to swear in your own language. <laughs> right. If you get mad, you're going to go into your own language. And it makes the character more believable. So um, so it was great. I and, gather it was yeah. no
1: contest. You walked away with the part. I'll I, say it.
0: Well, you know, I tell you, I left there feeling, I think, I, I, I couldn't imagine anybody being as comfortable to play the role and just be it. I mean, when you want a role as an actor or an actress – You just have to be that person and that character. You have to own it.
1: Now, half of this film was basically without dialogue for you. You're doing the first half of this film without, generally speaking, what's it like to act for a decent amount of the shoot? Just purely physically.
0: OK. So uh, you, those of you who know my past uh, career, you have possibly seen Last American Virgin, mm-hmm. which, again, also no dialogue in the beginning of the film. And then ta-da, she speaks. Oh, my goodness. Um, so, again, I think this is a reflection to a certain extent of female roles in films. You know, if you are the main character, you're in the first page, you're in the first scene, and everybody else services the main role. Uh, which was the guy, which is awesome. I like the romantic relationships. To me, I, I just think it's wonderful. Um, but as an actress, you have to be able to. You have to be able to act without words. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was a kid, I would watch. Actors on television because that was the only basic uh, entertainment that I had. My parents didn't really take me to the movies. They took me to the opera. I did ballet, but we didn't go to the theater a lot. So um, uh, when I watched television, I would turn the sound off Mm -hmm. and I would just watch the actor. And if I believed them, with the sound off, then they were a good actor.
1: That was the test for your show? Then yeah, turned- <laughs>
0: That was me. And I was really – I'm serious. Like I must have been eight or nine or something. I would just well, watch –
1: some real standards as yeah, a child I here. did.
0: I did. I mean it, I don't, it was just a funny <laughs> thing. I like, just turn that sound off. Nobody told me to do it. It was sort of like just my, my criteria. I mean if I don't believe them, then I don't know. <laughs> then they're not believable. So – um, and, of course, you know, if you turn the sound off in soap operas, you'll see a lot of eyebrow raising and, like, you know, deep yeah. stares. Yeah, um, so, remembering. Right. Yeah. But if you um, – so that was kind of my sort of criteria. And then uh, playing those characters, it sort of um, – it just kind of fell into place. So I wasn't afraid of not speaking. And I have to say also I think – when you come from a family where there's another language spoken at home, you and, – and, of course, your parents are speaking another language. You watch more. Mm-hmm. And so you understand that communication is not just with words. It's nonverbal. I mean
1: – It seems like a- almost yeah. all of your media input was exclusively nonverbal. If you're going yes. – I know the opera is, but it's typically in Italian or yep. German and ballet – so, boy, you really visually took a cue from that. Huh? So,
0: actually, my first training was nonverbal, okay? Uh-huh. Now, the funny part is because my, my mother, they would not speak well. They would leave the periods and out of the sentence or maybe they left the grammar wrong instead of maybe the word asparagus and asparagus. I don't know why they say this. Um, so, verbally, I was very shy at the beginning. Um, school was essential to learn how to speak well and, uh, to do that. Um, so I think I had to go the other way and just get more confident in my speaking skills. Um, what was, what's ironic is I'm a very, you can tell I, I, I don't talk very much. I, I'm very quiet. Um, so, uh, I, I love, I had a lot to say, But it it just took me a while to get comfortable with speaking.
1: So I can't help but notice you've done a great service by uh, bringing in your actual coat from Better Off Dead, correct? Oh,
0: this fantastic. Yes. All right. Now, this coat has a wonderful life because every time I go to a – well, here's what happened. I started doing signing conventions. And um, it was just sort of – A friend told me about it, and it kind of became a thing. And I thought, if I was coming to a convention, how cool would it be if I put on a coat or put on the hat that was actually in the film?
1: And these will be in the pictures that we take after the show. Oh.
0: Awesome. And Great. you will
1: see these, and I will, I I will beg you to be Good. in that coat at oh, some point.
0: Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, so what I love about this is I bring it to conventions, and mm-hmm. then I make people who want to take pictures with me wear it. I force <laughs> them. They say, no, no, don't. I'm, no, this, you must wear, trust me. It will be fantastic. And so we take pictures <laughs> in it, and then uh, they go afterwards, after they wear it, they go, I can't believe I wore the coat. I mean, just it's it's like I I just knew like this is something special, and how I got it, I have I just made them give it to me. You <laughs> like, just
1: said this is. I fun. said I
0: want this coat, and it's still fashionable. I, I and I can get guys and girls to wear it. So I can I, see it's
1: that great. your clothes in general in in this film in Bill and Ted's. In fact, they even <gasps> reference them as savory clothes in Bill and Ted's. But the some of the angles are. Truly amazing. They're almost like grid patterns. I see even there there's like a grid texture on that.
0: Oh, it's great.
1: And then at one point when uh, you're having dinner over at the Myers in, in Better Off Dead and Lane is a, trying to kill himself by dousing himself in kerosene, yes. he comes out wearing a drape and a tie. Right. And he's not dressed unlike you've been in a lot of the films.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah, it
1: just felt like a little thematic connection.
0: There is this wonderful Polaroid that I have of John and I. Um and I adore it deeply. I would have actually like, you know, put it in one of my books. But I—it's it's, it's my precious sure. picture. But it's—he is like, um, you know, when you dip someone, mm-hmm. and he's dipping me, and he has that, uh, like, oh, the tie around his head, you're kidding. Is the tie in his head, and the smock on, and uh, and just precious, like, just awesome. He's well, great. I love John. That's—we're going
1: to take a quick break, but we'll come back and talk about John Cusack a little bit. Merci. And
0: then, that is fantastic. Et
1: très bien.
0: Au <laughs> revoir. Thank <laughs>
1: We're back with Diane Franklin. We're going to talk a little bit about John Cusack and your experience with him. Now, he has a bit of a controversy with this film, I'm sure you're aware of. Right?
0: Yes, uh, although I have not ever seen it directly.
1: Okay. I've never heard ask.
0: John say, oh, this film. Although, you know, I think, <laughs> now that I think about oh, it. Oh,
1: is this a I Was There too. exclusive?
0: I Yeah, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there. I think I actually was there. Well, I think I was there when – When the movie played and he walked out, I think – I know Savage talks about him walking out on dailies. But for some reason, I feel like I was there when he walked out of the film. He, I know he walked out at the beginning of the film.
1: Yeah. Now, I'll give a a brief summary, and and this is the outside perspective, what's come to us through the rumor mill. And if you know anything differently, you can say. So apparently (laughs) – After this film was done shooting, he was already on to Savage's next film, One Crazy Summer, and he had seen the first screening of Better Off Dead and felt betrayed by Savage Steve that he made him look dumb and uh, continued on because he was contractually obligated for One Crazy Summer but was apparently not very – uh, easy to work with. Some some reports say that he wouldn't speak to Savage Steve, but I think that's not generally true. I get the feeling from all that I've read is that he would speak and he would do the takes, but he wouldn't take direction and he was not very compliant. Hmm. So it's a bit of a sad story to two movies, especially this one, and is kind of beloved by you know the everyone. 80s. Yeah, and yeah, beloved
0: by just everyone. Right. Um, oh, that's interesting. Okay, so what happened was when I worked with John, he was adorable, hilarious, sweet, we had the best time. I would never have known that he wasn't happy if that was the case. And he
1: was getting along with Steve Everybody. Holland just fine. Yeah,
0: yeah. as far as I know, uh, totally fine. Um, You know, though, he was maybe a little bit quiet, maybe that at points. I remember – So maybe that was part of it. Maybe he was keeping in his thoughts. Mm -hmm. But I would say this. You know, he was a young actor, and he had his whole career ahead of him. And the only thing I can think of, and this is certainly not John's words, but the only thing I can think of is that he was at a place in his life where he thought, you know, I want to be seen as a serious actor. And so if I do this film, is that ruining it? Uh Does this ruin my, my chances of that? So... As a young actor, I mean, I do think that when you're starting your career, you're seeing your whole life ahead of you, you're going, oh, oh you know, what, am, I don't want to just get pigeon, uh, what is hold, it? Hold. Cold. Yeah, yeah. Pigeon. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, <laughs> I can't speak English because I'm French, um, but, oh, English. Uh, but, so I think that's a possibility. Um, I would say the other thing was, yeah, if he was contracted to do One Crazy Summer, I uh, I'm kind of glad I wasn't on the set then because right. I you got the didn't better. have that. You got the better end. Yes. And sure. actually, I was... In one crazy summer, but I, but my part got cut out. I was, I was actually the last beat of the film. I walked by in the end, and uh, John looks at me and as a nod, uh, and is like a nod. Oh. But they had to cut it for time. So I'd love to get that footage and see it. Which, so I came in at the end of the whole film. I had the, the glory day of like walking in. Hi, John. How's it going? You know, but unfortunately, I, you know, I, I guess I. Well, no, fortunately, I, I didn't have to have the, you know, a bad experience. But um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I I just got to say Better Off Dead was a magical experience. We all enjoyed the film. Um, and uh, to this day, John, you were not made a fool of. You were set up in a, just an endearing Way as a character. Yeah, he um, must see
1: that more and more, especially as this time goes on and people yeah. love this film. You know. Yeah, he. It's I really believe really well. people
0: fell in love with him then, and they would see anything he did after just because of how endearing he was. Um, I mean, it's sort of like in a way Will Will Ferrell, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't look at Will Ferrell and think, oh, that's ridiculous. I mean, you think if he's a talented comedian and a talented actor, I I would watch him in anything if he did something serious, not serious. So, I mean, I think it's kind of interesting how to me, to me, you carry your dignity with you and whatever you play, you carry that dignity as an actor, so you play it with your heart. And so if you're an actor and you say, oh, don't look at that work, this is what I want to be seen at, you cannot choose how you will be seen. The audience will do it. And frankly, because we have everybody has different tastes, if you say, oh, I don't like this, project or this film, well, you're kind of insulting your audience. <laughs> and then, like, just don't do it. I mean, do it because you love it and commit and and give it your best. Was and there a
1: possibility that the tone could have been mistaken? So how much was in the script, like the claymation Van Halen cheeseburger oh, scene? Was that all in the great. script? Be- yes. So I think seeing that, you've got to know for the most part, what kind of film you're in for? There were
0: cartoon strips yeah. at the beginning. A, a script usually does not have a storyboard of cartoon strips ah. at the beginning. That was at the forefront. I mean, Do I you think still
1: have your old script.
0: I. You know what I. I somewhere I have it, yeah. but then when we just did a stage reading of um, Better Off Dead in at Sketchfest yeah. this past January, I talk about that. We too. got the original script, oh. and that had it, it brought it back. And I was just there were even the original script I had not even seen. Those lines changed by the time I got it. So
1: did you guys um, read the
0: original script? Yes. Really.
1: <laughs> so can you break down best best of memory who played whom in that rereading of Better Off Dead? So you obviously played Monique. I
0: played Monique and um, Amanda. Uh, Um, Wiss, uh, played Beth, Beth, which was wonderful. Uh She did her character reading exactly like she did in the (laughs) film. I was closing my eyes thinking, oh my gosh, I'm watching the film. How does she do that? Her voice (laughs) is so cute. And she just made it sound exactly like that character. And, um, Curtis Armstrong, awesome, amazing reading always, What's really fun is every person who was was there at the reading really loved their characters and and just gave it – just made us come back to the original film. They really did. Even if their lines weren't similar, (laughs) they brought us back, which was wonderful. Um, And Kim Darby, who I told them, I said, you have to get Kim. Uh, And she – I think she was actually even funnier live in the reading than she was. She's
1: tremendous in this movie.
0: Oh, she was so funny. And just to, I mean, just to say, when she did her lines, I mean, just adorable. The audience exploded yeah, when they b- heard. Yeah, both her of read the them.
1: parents for, mm-hmm. for comedic relief in the yeah. film. If we're just talking about comedic relief, pound for pound, have some of the funniest scenes in that film.
0: Laura Waterbury, I loved her, and I was so hoping that someday we would be able to do some kind of a live interview, sort of like a Better Off Dead interview reel, like a extra features. And she passed away uh, like a year oh. and a half ago, I think. Terrible. I mean, Regae, Like, yeah. I mean, oh my gosh, Ricky, like Ricky. That point, right? And so, <laughs> so when so, she's
1: squeezing your cheeks in that film.
0: Just a gift. I mean, like, so <laughs> I could not stop laughing. That's what
1: I had to ask you because there would oh. be no way I could keep a straight face with no, that.
0: It was unbelievable. <laughs> she was brilliant so funny laura waterbury was a a, a queen of comedy do you have any
1: recollection how many takes you did of the cheek squeezing
0: oh oh, we had to stop and laugh so many (laughs) takes i would have to say 20 i mean that was crazy she was so funny steve uh, savage would laugh the whole time i mean he, he would break and then the crew would break and and then i would try not to break and then um and then danny who was you talk about acting not with any lines necessarily but killing you comedically. This is Ricky, right? Ricky, yeah. Ricky, Danny Schneider. So funny. Yeah. Um, the
1: casting is truly special in this film.
0: It's just, I think what really made it amazing was on top of it, Savage, because it's comedic, Savage would let the actors sort of improv a little bit as well. So he got these juicy takes. I mean, yeah. if, I think, you know, when you do a comedy, and I've told my daughter this, just especially from Better Off Dead, when you do a comedy, the feeling on the set has to whatever feeling you do on the set the tone you the director sets the tone and savage has such a nice way of being with actors he has this lightness he has this sort of he allows actors to feel like yeah just be comfortable improvise do a little bit so the actor feels like they're contributing and therefore getting more into their character so they set the tone and he set it up to be fun and upbeat and relaxing so um I think like even with my daughter, I tell her, you know, if you're going to do comedy, you, ha- you set the tone as a director. Well, um, I have
1: two specific questions about Better Off Dead. Then we'll move on to some other topics. Very nice. When you race down John Cusack on the stairs outside the high school dance, I can't tell if you accidentally push him over or <gasps> purposefully push him over. And I <gasps> figured this, I this, go direct to the source.
0: I love that question.
1: Was this fate or determinism? Here?
0: I pushed him okay okay and I pushed him um, because I I needed help yeah uh, as Monique it was uh, I was stuck and was Ricky uh, he was driving me crazy and uh, I needed help and I had seen John across the street so I knew that it was my only chance uh, for for SOS help. Uh Uh, So I push him and then, oh, I'm so apologetic. So So you're not
1: only an amazing mechanic, but you're a passive-aggressive tactician. I am
0: a very manipulative uh, young woman. Uh, Well, I am survival mode. Um, I have to say, uh, because I... It was definitely, I had to make that happen. Otherwise, I would be forever stuck in the house with Ricky and never speak.
1: She's good in a pinch, this woman. (laughs) Yes, very good. But also, you're pitching lemons, right, at this Mm. parking sign. Mm -hmm. What was your actual success rate with hitting that sign? Were you even throwing it at a sign?
0: Zero, zero. Okay, um, here's the truth I am a notoriously bad pitcher. Um, Originally, I was beyond terrible at, at, to, to the point where Savage said or even I think someone from the crew came over to me and go this is how you pitch a baseball <laughs> just take it I wasn't raised with brothers I had no idea you were raised um, with
1: opera and ballet for opera Grand and
0: ballet Albert. I you You're know too um, for all I, that I, I, I I was a good runner um but uh no uh, and I could hit a baseball. I actually could hit one, but pitching, no. So when we started doing the scene, I, th- I think the, one of the crew members came over very sweetly and said, "No, no, this is this is actually how you hold a ball and throw it, you know." And, and as of playing a French character, I thought, "Oh, what difference does it make?" But yeah, it did make a big difference. <laughs> so now I can throw a ball, which is awesome, um, and I could probably pitch pretty well. Um, but uh, before that moment, no, that wasn't happening. So
1: <laughs> fair enough. Okay, on to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure
0: oh so now i'm english so yes, that's that's, a, that's so. another thing
1: i are going to talk to you about
0: <laughs> so um love the english accent and uh when i came in for that role they wanted i thought oh they're definitely having me for joan of arc because she's the french girl right it uh, makes more sense to i'm gonna be the french girl yeah. the bigger role whatever but if you actually watch bill and ted's I don't think she ever speaks maybe she says one line i'm not sure
1: she has a little whisper of french when she's praying i believe right at the beginning right yeah but that was it is that because was that in the script or is it because it's a go-go jane weedlin and they think maybe we'll just she can't
0: you know no i think it was written that way and so but it didn't occur to me at the audition and so when they said to me would you Are be interested in playing one of the princesses. They actually, the director and uh, the director and producer actually came up with that idea of casting me in the audition. Like, they actually went, wait a minute, Uh, maybe you could play the princess. Could you do an English accent? And I was, of course I can do an English accent, and I sort of talked like this and uh, did more of, uh, like, probably not so so well, but sounds like Julie Andrews now. Good good in a pinch. um, Yes, good in a pinch. So... uh, It's funny. Yeah, I just went right into it, and they went, okay, good. But it was actually at that audition that they thought about it. It didn't happen before. So uh, then they approached me with it, and I was kind of surprised because – I didn't even, when I read the script, even remember the princesses. I, I was just like, oh, there's just this French girl. And uh so when I got cast in, I'm thinking, really? I mean, I don't even know if this is a like, is it a role? Like, is it tiny? Like, but it became something that I think was so endearing to the characters and the story. And the guys were just, they were like awesome. So it was just okay, great, I can I can do this. And they shot uh our roles. Um in all these different places, I I wrote a, a book about my life, and I talk about like the details of those things that happened. And also I talk about Better Off Dead as well as all the other films. But um, it was a, just I felt really – I'm really happy that they cast me in that role.
1: Well, also your character goes on to become a member of the band, Wild Stallion. What yeah. do you imagine that she plays in that band?
0: Oh, she plays – well, I think I was playing the, the keyboard, but not very well.
1: Now there's always rumblings of another – sequel, or I guess it would be a third part to Bill and Ted's, it would be nice to bring those princesses back, It would be
0: totally (laughs) excellent. Dude, rock on. Um, Oh my gosh, we have talked about this. Kim and I were like, oh, they should have us come back. Um, I just think it's a great idea to have, the idea of having the aged Bill and Ted's.
1: Yeah, the time is past. I just yeah. think that just is just dealing with time wonderful. in general is a great idea. Yeah. and and they're all up to the task. How was it working with Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves? Oh,
0: they are fantastic. Yeah. Um. I think it, again, it was early in Keanu's career, and I remember there was like a buzz that he was going to be, sort of the next. Even at
1: the time. Huh? Yeah. Wow. Even
0: at the time, he was going to be the next, you know, leading man. Um. But I personally think I got really lucky working on that project with him. I think. Working on a comedy with with both of them was I got the best deal of working. I got the best uh, role of playing opposite Keanu. I mean, who wouldn't want the guy to go? You know. Babe, we go to the prom scene, Demis with me. You know, like just who wouldn't want that? That was lovely. did uh, you guys have a prom scene that was cut? Yep, we actually did. That was the other thing. When we got the script, the characters were all going to the prom. That was what was happening. So I, it wasn't the garage scene. It was we were going to the prom. We got, get to the prom. We danced at the prom. And um, so we actually did shooting Shot those scenes. And I would love to have seen those scenes. They're somewhere deep in the, probably some kind of wonderful 80s archive yeah, garage. There has um, to be that vault. Right. Uh, nostalgia vault. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wouldn't it be great to see all those s- scenes? Uh, but I'd never gotten to see it.
1: So tell us about this book. I just want to name the title here because the title itself Please, is reason enough to buy this book. Um, Diane Franklin, The Excellent Adventures of the Last American, French Exchange, Babe of the 80s. (laughs) You've managed to (laughs) include all of your iconic uh, film roles in that title. So let's – can we quickly break that down? So The Excellent covers Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. Excellent Adventures. um, Last American covers Last American Version. French mm -hmm. Exchange, Better Off Dead. Yes. And Babe, is that just a catch-all or is that something – you, you were also in a film that I remember seeing at a younger age than I ever should have, Amityville 2, oh, The Possession. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um, that covers, well, the Amityville is obviously, like, I do talk about Amityville in my book as well. Um, and it's, it's, it's great because I love the horror genre and I'm, always wanted to do a horror film. So that was fantastic. The Babe just gives you a sense that I have a sense of humor. Yeah. And that, I mean, obviously it's a long title, but it also shows that um, it harkens back to a time where, you know, do's and babes were happening. <laughs> and, and it was like so totally awesome. And it was a wonderful era. I mean, the, the 80s is t- completely an upbeat, fun era. And for me, that's kind of my personality. So I... I just wanted to bring that sense of humor, that lightness, that um, that I'm willing to talk about all different aspects of my career. Well, you've
1: even neatly organized uh, chapters by films, right? So you can go straight to your favorite film.
0: Because I don't, you know, if you like a film, I I would really hate it for you to sit there going, "Oh, when are they going to talk about my film that I loved?" I'm like, go to the film, go to your Bill and Ted's chapter, you know, go to your Amityville chapter, read it, and then if you like it, you can go to the other. You can learn more. Where and, can people um, find it? You can find it on Amazon and you can also get it on Kindle. Um, but I recommend you getting it on Amazon because if you buy the book and then you friend me on Facebook, I will sign the book for there it free. Is. There it is. You have to be a Facebook friend of mine, though.
1: Diane, where can people find you as we say goodbye?
0: Right here. I'm not leaving. Um, <laughs> that's it. Just okay. um, be right here in the studio. They um, can find
1: you in the next episode. She'll it, be here. Right? Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> permanent um, co actually- host. <laughs>
0: That didn't sound right, but... Okay, um, you can find me at several places. One, you can go to Facebook to Diane Franklin on Facebook and friend me.
1: Diane with one N.
0: One N, -N D-I-A-N-E, Franklin, F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N. You will see a black and white picture of me from Better Off Dead, and I've reached my 5,000... Friend limit, which is hard to me even to fathom that that Maybe happened. Maybe you start cutting
1: away some. Of the I know. Annoying I was people, looking. I went through. I'm you know? like, you oh, can, that person can go. Right, that pic- guy. That guy's annoying. The picture. That girl they can say go. if there's
0: the picture's gone, then that person's not your friend anymore. So oh. I was like, okay. Um, but anyway, so that's a place to find me. Um, You can also go to a convention. I'm going to be in Sacramento um, on October. I think it's 17th and 18th. And I will bring my Better Off Dead coat. So you can have a picture with me. So if you can find me in Sacramento. Uh And, okay, now here's the weird part. Okay, I am actually going to start being teaching acting. Um, And so that, what I'm starting to do is I'm putting my website together, but it's going to be called Diane Franklin, uh, Diane Franklin excellent acting studio.com <laughs> excellent acting studio and so i'm going to do skype teaching which i think is really cool and i'm going to be having all different kinds of classes whether it's basic or um uh M- more in you know intricate, so teaching. like individual
1: coaching mm-hmm. for people. Ah, individual coaching, nice. wow. so it could be
0: kids to adults. Um, I've been teaching for years. I and so it's specific to your needs. If you want to break in the business, if you want to do voiceover, if you want to do um, commercials, film, television acting, uh, even college auditions, uh-huh. I can make it happen. So oh, and then hopefully the what the cool things would be if I can get this babes of the eighties sort of get-together party uh, for the summer that will be Coming up, hopefully. Yeah. Um, so I will keep you posted. But that you have feels to friend like it me. Should,
1: that feels like it should be a seminar or something people can go to as well. or you guys, I don't know, do what, a the lecture. Babes, yeah. Oh, the
0: babes! Of, no, uh, I thought it would be just fun to like see all of us hanging sure. out together and do come to the too. party. <laughs> oh, you
1: mean you people can come to the party? Well,
0: I was thinking what we would do is maybe we'd have the, a party and a place. Where we'd have like all the babes of the eighties come, and we're just hanging out, listening eighties music, and then we have an interviewer come in and, and with a Skype. And we I talk to people and you can ask questions and the interviewers can ask questions okay, for the Skype. So they're not
1: there to harm you. Right. They're just there yep. remotely. Right. That's probably just smart.
0: to Google, right? <laughs> is it Google or whatever? So um, yeah, I just, it's kind of a fun thing, just even getting yeah. us all together and then you know, ask questions. So we'll see. You
1: know, let's do this. When you do that, mm-hmm. we should all sit down together and do a full podcast of all of you guys. We'll do an episode <gasps> with everybody.
0: Oh, that'd be great. Let's do it. Wouldn't that be fun? I yeah. love that. So That'll you will be, be, be back. I, I I will be back.
1: Diane, I am exhausted in the most wonderful way. I think you've been fantastic to have on here. Thank you so much for joining
0: me. I am very very happy to see you, and the, I love your French. So the... merci, oh, merci beaucoup. beaucoup. Au revoir, ma. Au revoir. Au revoir. Au revoir, Diane. <laughs> Au revoir.
1: My huge thanks to my really good friends, Chris Matu and Derek Mears, for connecting me to Diane Franklin for this interview. Also, the convention that Diane mentions at the end there is called Sinister Creature Con. It's October 17th and 18th, and you can find more information about that on the web. You can also find Diane on Twitter at DianeFranklin80, D I A N E F R A N K L I N, the number 80. And there you can follow her, find out what she's up to, and send her gentle reminders that we should do that Babes of the 80s podcast where I was there too. Okay, on to something new and special. So a few episodes ago, uh, I got in a little conversation with Siri on my phone. I didn't even mean to, but when it's plugged in and you say the words, Hey Siri, it'll turn on and talk to you. Homie. See? <laughs> So a lot of people wrote to me and said they had the same experience when their phone was plugged in listening to my show on speakers that weren't headphones. Let's do a little experiment. Plug in your iPhone. Make sure that in the settings under General and Siri, it says Allow Hey Siri. Then turn up your speakers and just get ready to enjoy. Android users, I'm sorry this isn't for you, but you made your choice. Just kidding. <laughs> I know you guys can get a little tense about that sometimes. Now, this may take a little patience, too, because I'll say something to Siri, she'll take a little time to respond, and then we'll leave a little pause for the podcast to come back in, rinse, and repeat. But I can absolutely assure you this. Stick with it. It won't be worth it. (laughs) Here we go with a new segment I like to call...
0: I am always
1: there too, there too. Creepy. Hey Siri, do you like podcasts? Hey Siri, that's a weird answer. Hey Siri, don't worry about it. Hey Siri, wanna dance? Hey Siri, I love you. Goodbye, Siri. I am always there too,
0: there too. There too. There too.
1: Well, that was an exercise in possible futility. Let me know how it went. Thanks again for listening. If you know of someone that you can connect me to for I was there too, email me at iwasthere2pod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at matt Gorley and Instagram as well. Have a great two weeks, everybody. I'll see you on the Fortnite flip side, to borrow a term from my own mouth just now. pop, 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 pop. <laughs> Wolfpop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part?